Blog Talk Radio. Father, we praise your name and we thank you, Lord, 
we thank you for this opportunity again to be able to use this um, type of an electronic ecclesia, this technology to be able to gather and to be able to lift you up in praise. And thank you, Father, for the days that we're in right now. We don't understand how long it's going to take. We can only hope that it'll that the time is closing in on us, that our departure is nigh. But we've hoped that for many years, and so we're sobered up in the sense that we have a level head and recognize that these things may take some time, but we pray that for, for a supernatural um, infusion of your strength and your grace to be able to deal with the challenges that are laid before us. And we have so many of them. Sometimes they're health-related. Sometimes they're work-related. Sometimes they're husband and wife-related. Sometimes they're any one of uh, many different dynamics that are that could be occurring in our lives. And certainly, at least it seems to many of us, it seems that you know the the challenges seem to be abundant for those of us who seek you with all of our heart, much more so than the uh, those who do not. We praise you, Father, for these days. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to be able to see how they align with the end times prophetic timeline of the Bible. We thank you, Father God, for helping us to understand, well, what we believe are so many of the different end times players, such as the Antichrist and the unfolding of the end times, the destruction uh, dynamic associated with Babylon the Great, the fulfillment of the Iwalu prophecy from 19... 18, 19, 19, I forget exactly what the date is, where it says that a man from Kenya will basically rise up and destroy the United States, which we see happening now. We praise you, Lord. I, th- I thank you for the vision that you gave my mother, uh, which she revealed to me in 1972 about a mulatto man. And she ex- uh, said with extreme confidence that she was shown the Antichrist, and that he was my age, and Uh, alive today. Father, I just praise you for so many different, um, so many different things that have happened to me that I'm able to convey as much as I can. And, And we all praise you, Father, as we look back on our lives and we see the different dynamics that have occurred, the times when we probably should have died or probably should have been arrested or probably should have had any one of a number of really bad life impacting things happen to us, but we didn't. Because your divine providence, your holy hand was involved somehow supernaturally in our lives for such a time as this. And we praise you for that. We thank you, Father God, for everything. We thank you for the trials, the tribulations, the extremely difficult times that many of us are going through. Uh, and um, and we just pray for an infusing of strength, a change of attitude, a um, renewing of our mind that we can look at things a little bit differently and take on some of these things that we would normally consider to be insurmountable as uh, a, a challenge, regardless of what our age is, and be able to overcome all of our inhibitions or exha- exhaustion in many cases and be able to continue forward and do the things that we must do, or if we don't, the price is very high. And we just praise you, Father, and we thank you for all of these these trials and tribulations, just as Paul did in, in his testimony about the... Uh, the uh, about the um, uh, I can't think of the the uh, the nickname for the uh, testimony of Paul, uh, but uh, I have it right here. So just praise you, Father, for the. I'm just looking for it because I'm going to read it. 
Thank you, Lord. So many, so many. Now my little cards that I carry with me are getting so, there's so many of them that it takes me so much time to flip through them. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And wouldn't you know the one, ah, yes. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities. We take pleasures in reproaches. We take pleasures in needs and distresses for Christ's sake. For when we are weak, we are strong. Second Corinthians 12, verse 10. We just thank you, Father, that we can become strong and are weak in you through the things that we're going through, that we might become strong. While it's very difficult to embrace that while it's happening to us, perhaps we're becoming stronger without even realizing it. I know to me it's very difficult to see the strength or to even feel the strength, um, but your scripture says what it says, and I, I stand by it, and I believe it with all of my heart, even though I may not be able to articulate it or to say, wow, I feel so much strength, because that's not necessarily the case all the time. But we praise you, Lord, and we help. You. We pray that you will help us through your grace to be able to embrace that strength, to be able to make the changes to our attitudes and how we feel about working late, you know, really long hours, um, how we overcome sicknesses uh, like I just did. Um, I praise you for that, Father. That could have been a lot worse than it was. Um, completely unexpected, came out of the clear, clear blue, as they say. Um, we just praise you, Father, for helping us to get through the various trials and tribulations, the difficulties. They're so plentiful. They're so plentiful, even as we watch the unbelievers getting along just fine and going through their lives. But we're instructed in the Scripture not to be uh, envious of them and their, and their seeming uh, good success in life, for it is through our trials and tribulations that we draw in closer to you. We praise you for that, Father, and we thank you. We praise your holy name, and we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come before you this night. There is no place that most of us, I believe, with all of my heart anyway, would rather be. We give you all the glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. We're not going anywhere, Father. We'll be right back. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Um, so I just wanted to throw out there, um, it you know, with uh, the succeeding, the words cannot describe, nor do I expect that anybody out there would have an inkling of understanding of what I went through this week. Um, it really there's really no point in bringing it up, uh, other than the fact that it was severe, um, one of the work, most difficult work situations that I've ever experienced in my life, and um, and I have to anticipate those to continue for some time. So it is what it is, and I'm you know I'm not going to sit here and boohoo about it. I have a job. I praise God for that, and I'm going to have to make adjustments. It, and yes, it may bring on illnesses. I am much older now, and I don't have the wherewithal, the youth, and the capacity to be able to deal with the rigor associated with the expectations that are being thrown at me without any help or any hope of help. So it is, like I said, it is what it is. Um, I pray every day on my knees. I beseech God, which is a type of begging. Uh, you know, I don't mean it to sound in a negative way. It's just beseeching is very passionate uh, crying out to God, and I do, you know, and um, I don't know what the right avenue or what, where the place is that I need to be, but it is what it is. It really, truly is, and I will continue to pray because um, worry is something that we, it's a, it's a conversation that we have in our own hearts about things that we have no control about, and prayer is stuff that we typically would worry about, but we lay before our Heavenly Father trusting, Matthew nineteen twenty six that he has all things in control, and he can 
do what he can he can give us whatever he wants there is nothing that god cannot give us in our lives and there may be very well a reason for us to have to go through the various things that we're going through and maybe not maybe not maybe it's just the dynamics associated with the end times and we might need to expect things to get much worse and uh, and so it is you know I, I again I don't want to sound defeatist when I say it is what it is I do know that we can bring and I do I do bring my prayers before the Lord but it doesn't mean that God's going to always answer them it does not mean that um, you know we sometimes I, I could go into a whole long preaching session I could read you excerpts after excerpts from Charles Spurgeon from various different incredible people that have contributed to to our understanding of how the kingdom works but at the end of the day we're all going to have to go through different versions of different walks that are custom created for us that will include fiery trials and extremely difficult things for us to go through and not all of them will make sense but we will have to go through them and um i i you know i don't pretend that um all of us will be able to do a super good job of going through them. I think that we'll have times when we're buckled over, times when we're sick on the ground, times when we live alone and we have nobody to help us to so much as get a drink of water when we fall over and we're throwing up on the ground or whatever the case is. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. And we're going to have to learn to deal with these things. At least I am. I can't speak to you. And if any of you out there, praise Jesus, happen to have a holy and righteous spouse that can help you, praise God for that. What a wonderful blessing that is. I'm sorry, though, for those who have, um, you know, unbelieving spouses that are causing exceedingly difficult times in your marriage. I know that that's very hard. It can, according to 1 Peter 3 to 7, hinder your prayers. Beseech the Lord and pray fervently to him and ask him that the challenges that are in your marriage um, will not hinder your prayers. Beg, beseech, cry out in tears to God to separate you spiritually from uh, that that connection, that dynamic that exists there so that your um, prayers will not be hindered. Praise God. I am glad to some extent, the, one of the things I'm glad about in a weird sort of a way, and I, I just wanted to share this real quick, is that I know that there are some people, not a lot, because we are all individuals in the kingdom, and none of us are the same. None of us believe the same. We all believe differently. We all look at different scriptures different ways. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. But it's okay, as long as we love one another, as long as we don't get into you know, disputes and, and cause division amongst the brethren. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, as a matter of fact, we can grow and learn from it. Sometimes a fellow brother and sister might have an insight on, on something, and if we keep an open mind, we might learn something new and, and really cool, which is awesome. Praise God. Um, one of the things that I was looking at over this last week, while it has been, you know, from a work standpoint, and it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. I, I, hey, I'm just being honest. Um, I know what my schedule is. I know what I have to do in order to conquer that schedule. And it's, um, you know, I would normally look at it and say, there's no way I can do that. But you know what? I'm just going to take it as a challenge and I'm going to go ahead. And if it makes me sick again, so be it. Uh, one of the greatest causes of extreme sickness and, and nausea and mental problems, you know, and I'm talking about clinical stress, um, clinical anxiety, loss of sleep, insomnia, things like that, no matter how much you pray, 
Um, it, 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 you know, that kind of um, there. I could get into all of the sociopolitical and social and and human social behavior dynamics that we can't escape because we're in the flesh, whether we like it or not. It's just part of who we are. Um, and yes, walking in Christ and praying and praising and handing these things over to the Lord Jesus, it's it's such a blessing to be able to have that, even as an option when so many others don't. Praise God. So, um, you know, and I, and I do believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but I also believe that, a, you know, that there's a limit to, to some of that as well. If it was all that easy, then Paul wouldn't even bother to say what he said. <laughs> you know, the scripture that I just read to you. All right. Um, you know, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs. You know, if it, it, our, our lives in Christ are extremely dynamic. They are not one way or the other way. They are loaded with all kinds of trials, tribulations, difficulties, but also blessings along the journey. Now, all that being said, I, I wanted to, as I look back on this last week, amidst my own personal exhaustion, ultimately leading to a sickness that I did not anticipate, I even tried to uh, take a power nap before the prayer vigil on Friday, and I got hit hard. I got hit harder than I remember. I don't remember being that sick. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I got hit really hard. It was intense. It lasted. In t- I woke up the next day. I, you know, this, I, I don't even know. Yeah, this morning, and I was still under, quite under the weather. Um, but over, you know, it, it dwindled over time which is good. Praise God. So we're here now. All right. But I wanted to share an interesting dynamic that I was watching play, maybe in my subconscious. I don't know. I don't know. But as I was watching all of the things that are taking place in the um, uh, Middle East, you know, all I will share this with you, but I will also say that this is a fiery situation. It's emotionally supercharged, and we need to divorce ourselves from it. Okay, we, if we take sides during these dynamics, we're making, I believe, in my heart, a strongly believe, by the way, I think we're making a spiritual mistake. Okay, we are, our citizenship is in heaven. We have no, there's nothing here for us. We should be so heaven set in our, in our mindset, in our heart set, our body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart should be completely utterly immersed in the very presence of the Godhead at all times, as best as is possible. It doesn't mean you're not going to get exhausted. It doesn't mean you're not going to throw up in a bucket now and then. It doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. It doesn't mean that you're not going to – all these things are in play. You can't completely – we are not transformed. We have not left our bodies. Some of us have to work in order to make a living. We don't have a choice or we will be homeless. It is a fact. There are certain things in life that just, you know – are the way that they are. Even Paul admonished the church of uh, Thessalonica. He said, if you don't work, you don't eat. And, and you know, really the ramifications of that in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is very significant because you can imagine that what Paul was saying was far deeper than eating. There were people that were obviously so dead set on Jesus coming any second now that they were mooching off of others in the church that were hard, they were out there working hard. So they were essentially, you know, so, so you can sort of see that dynamic in play, even in Scripture. And a lot of times the Scripture is an understatement. You know, you, we have to fill in the blanks of what was really going on behind the scenes sometimes. It was a lot worse than what we imagine, and certainly a lot worse than what was written in our Scripture. 
Now, all that being said, we have a dynamic. Now, you know, I will say this, and I'm going to leave it at this, okay? And I'm going to walk away from it because people have emailed me over the last 12 years at different times and asked me what my thoughts were about things. I will say on an official position statement level that my thoughts about what are going on, uh, what's going on over in Israel are, I have no interest in it whatsoever. And you might say, well, gee, Johnny, that's kind of harsh. No, no, I've chosen to stay focused on Jesus. I've stayed, I am, my citizenship is in heaven, according to the Philippians 3.20. That is exactly where I am. I am keeping my mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth, according to Colossians 3.2. Okay, that is what I'm instructed to do. I am not of this earth. Now, I may be subject to the laws of this earth. I may be subject to wearing clothes or whatever the case is or dressing, you know, in a normal manner and behaving as Christ-like as I possibly can, given the situation that I'm in. Okay, and all of us are. Okay, but none of us have to get involved in the things that are happening in the earth. We don't have to form an opinion. We don't have to get into a debate. And we're admonished not to, scripturally speaking. Those who are friends with the earth are at enmity with God. This is in the book of James. I could sit here and quote scripture. Don't even get me going on Proverbs 6.16, causing division amongst the brethren. We are commanded in Jesus' name to avoid this. Now, I will say this. In the grand scheme of understanding the end times, what I would call the biblical end times timeline, for those of us, for, for those who do not embrace that Obama is the Antichrist, they have nothing to anchor their belief systems in. So they are floating around like a ship getting knocked to and fro, just like it says in the second half of uh, James uh, 1, 5. 1.5b 1, is what I would call it. They, they have no anchor. So they can, fall, they can fall for any of the pillow prophets that are out there, pillow profiting away about whatever they think it is, calling us all doom and gloomers, because they have no anchor in the end times. They have no anchor. We do. We have an anchor, because we know that we know that we know that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt, because of endless, look, and does it mean that God doesn't have dynamics in play? Does he not change his mind? Is he not manipulating and controlling the end times timeline in real time? And the answer is, yes, he is. Is he responding to prayer? Absolutely. If he was not, if he that restrains what has already been taken out of the way, we'd all be dead. That is why it, the scripture says, if you know, right now we are living in such a time that we truly, we don't have to make up things in our heads like, oh, the reason why the scripture says that if time had not been cut short, no flesh would be saved. I've had people email me and tell me, oh, that must have to do with planet X and the rotational speed of the earth. No, it has everything to do with reality. The Bible is literal for the most part. There, there's all, as time goes on, we're discovering that less and less scripture in the Bible is metaphor for those of us who understand things. For those of us who do not understand the significance of the fallen angels, the spaceships, all the other dynamics that come into play, intergalactic, you know, it, for those of us who don't get those things, tons and tons of scripture they still see as being metaphorical, and it's not. There's, again, as time goes on and as our minds are opened more broadly to how big God is and how huge this existence is, 
how big the kingdom of God is. All of the trillions of life forms, trillions of galaxies, multiple universes and dimensions and all these things that we're a part of. How big and awesome is that for each of us? It should glorify us. It should fill us with incredible hope for our future and for our eternity, even if we so elect to just you know, go into eternal rest. I, for one, would like to do a lot more with my eternity, but I don't know. I don't know if I even qualify, but we, boy, we surely shouldn't, uh, you know, wither at the opportunity that has been laid before us. We should embrace the parable of the the, uh, workers in the vineyard. We should embrace the fact that Jesus paid the same amount of rewards to to the people that came even late. We should be... That, it, that has been laid before us. And no, we shouldn't be excited about getting sick. No, we shouldn't be excited about being beaten to death by our workplace. No, we shouldn't. That, but we have to adapt, regardless of what our age is. Okay, I'm no different than anybody else out there. You know, I made bad decisions, um, you know, all for the right reasons. Okay, I could say holy and righteous reasons, but I did. I made bad decisions. Um, You know, uh, I believed that Jesus was going to come a long time ago, and he didn't. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's the number one thing that people ask me. How long? How long? How long? How long? And I'm not getting into that conversation anymore because none of us know. And I, I actually find it a little bit perturbing when people try to guess because I've already seen it proven hundreds of times, I do believe, over the last 12 years, and I, well, I will say at least 100 times in the last 12 years, I've seen people that were beyond, they were so sure that they published books. They went on television. You know, they they traveled circuits. They went to prophecy, uh, you know, uh, events, and they told everybody how they had, you know, God had, you know, the Herald Camping Challenge. I I don't fault Herald, actually. I tip my hat to Herald um, in the sense that he at least kept on preaching the gospel until he dropped over and went to heaven. He truly did understand the concept of he who takes his hands from the plow and looks back as un, un. you know, uh, un, you know, um, unqualified or whatever for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so uh, it's not unqualified, but it's sim- close. But anyway, the point is, he 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 continued to serve the Lord until he was what was he like ninety seven or something, and he dropped over mowing the lawn or something in his front yard. I tip my hat to him for that. Now, you know, but anyway, at the end of the day, I'm when I look at the things, all I can say is this. And I agree. Now, even Stephen Ben Noon, I saw some some of the material that he's putting out right now, and he's being very careful how he's wording things. And I understand why, because it's an explosive, it's an emotionally explosive, an emotionally explosive dynamic that is unfolding right now. And we must avoid. We must avoid be drawn. I, I, this is my recommendation. If you don't want to take my recommendation, then you can fall into sin. You can you can uh, have iniquity in your heart. You may not know about it, and it could put you in a really bad dynamic. And I would rather, I would, you know, my most important passion, more than anything else, the reason why I, nothing, I will keep on, as I have promised the Lord, as long as I can, 
as long as, you know, there, there are going to be times when I'm sick and I'm not going to be able to do the show. There are going to be times when I'm emotionally destroyed, when I'm so exhausted that I literally drop over at the end of the day. I can barely speak or put words together. And yes, I'm getting older and, and it affects me in a very negative way and I can't help it. But, but And I've always promised myself, I made a big promise that if that is my, the case, if I am emotionally or uh, physically unable to do a program properly because it's live. I'm not going on the air, period. Now, all that being said, I've had conversations with people. I have monitored a lot of information associated with what is going on in the Middle East. And it is of, now again, I have no emotional connection, nor do I wish to at all. Don't care. I really don't care. Now, all that be, what I care about is getting off this alien demon infested rock. What I care about is that every single person that has ever listened to me speak in the name of Jesus will make the barley harvest and will get off this evil place before, it is, before you get jettisoned into, a, into CBDCs and FEMA camps and all kinds of horrible things that are coming. Okay, And when, when I ask people to bow their heads and pray with me in unison, in one accord, okay, that we are accounted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth. I am referring to things that are going to hit the people that go into the wheat harvest so horribly that words cannot describe. It's going to be horrible, just horrible. Don't even get me going about the people that are going to be part of the grape harvest and be cast into great tribulation, Revelation 2.22. Oh, my goodness, that's going to be horrible. I'm not going to get into all those dynamics. There's a lot of things that are going to be in play. But you know what? I wouldn't wish it on my worst. It wouldn't matter. I would never wish it on my worst enemy. In fact, I would never wish being part of the weed harvest, the final harvest, on my worst enemy. Because the people who do not make the first fruits, first watch, barley harvest, are going to go, most of them are going to die. I'm just going to tell you straight up. They're going to die from the mega tsunamis, from the mega quake that happens from the meteor. There's going to be so many, probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people across the world that are going to die the day that that earthquake and mega tsunamis all over the world. When that meteor strikes this earth and the earth rose to and fro like a drunkard, Isaiah 24, let me tell you something, folks. There aren't going to be a lot of survivors. There's going to be a lot of dead people around, and a lot of them are going to be believers. It rains on the just and the unjust. There will be pockets of them yes of course um that are that are going to be here for the final harvest yes amen but the entire east coast of the united states is going to be gone toast go back and look at the lands go back and review some of the youtube videos in the 2005 uh, december uh tsunami that occurred in the indian ocean look at what happened they were laid barren and that is exactly what's going to happen that's exactly what's going to happen when that meteor hits. And that's going to be so close to Tampa, Tampa's going to be gone. Totally. I, I, I had uh, Augusto Perez uh, on the show, and he was very kind. And he was like, well, I don't know if the water really comes up that far. And I'm like thinking to myself, uh, yes, it does. <laughs> okay. But he was being nice. God bless him. But anyway, um, so when I look at what I know about uh, – so – there are very few people who understand anything about intelligence agencies like the CIA, the NSA, the MI5 and 6, the Israeli Mossad, which is one of the most – as a matter of fact, the, 
my understanding has always been that the Israeli Mossad is the best. They're the ones that everybody else wishes they could be as good as. Their signal intelligence is second to none. Okay, You don't pull nothing past the Mossad. They know probably before you even know that you're going to launch an attack. Okay, They are the creme de la creme. They are what everybody wishes they could be. It's been like that forever. Uh, it's well known. And not only that, but in the Middle East, because of their skin color and how they blend in, they're able to infiltrate Iraq. They're able to infiltrate the Hamas, the Hezbollah. They're able to infiltrate these different groups, and they're extremely good at that. And so they are inside. They're not just listening from the outside. They're actually inside. If you don't think that there's a, a member of the Mossad that's working inside the Fordow facility for Iran, that's, you know they have ways, and they are extremely good. And they can get into all these different groups that hate their guts, and they know stuff. So this notion that seems to be getting floated out there that this Hamas attack was some sort of surprise is false. Let's just leave it at that. What else is highly suspicious and again, I have no allegiance to anybody. As a matter of fact, the two most judged countries in the world by our Heavenly Father are, is Israel and the United States. The fact, they are the two most judged countries in the world in the end times. Millions are going to die in the United States. Millions are going to die in Israel. It is a fact. It is scriptural. And it has been prophesied. It has been seen in visions. It is not disputable. It's a fact. Now, all that being said, yes, the things that happened over there were horrible. Were we told the truth? No. The problem is that everybody wants to say it either did or didn't happen. That is always going to be wrong. Whenever we take a position that the light is on or the light is off, you are going to be automatically wrong. Because that's never how it works. The way it works is that it did happen. The question is, to what degree did it happen? The other question is, to what... See, in other words, so we know that the Mossad is not going to get tricked. We know that there's no possible way. It is not humanly possible. There's no way. Not the Mossad. So at the end of the day, we... And then we have the code words. For those of us who understand such things, and not everybody does, and that's okay. Most people don't, in fact. Even the Christians who believe they're awake and aware. I'm not going to drop any names of ministries out there who appear to be awake and aware, but a lot of them appear to be awake and aware, but they're not. They really, there's just so many fundamental things about how the darkness, we're, we're commanded to be wise as serpents, but most of them don't really understand how the enemy works. They're, they got some things right, but they're missing a ton. When you understand Illuminati speak, you understand that when somebody comes up and they say, this is our 9-11, and by the way, it's been echoed. It wasn't just Netanyahu in the beginning. Now it's people in the United States Satanic Congress. It's the reptilians. You have to understand these things. You've got to understand who you're dealing with here. And when they come out and they say things like, this is our 9-11, or this is the equivalent of one, one congressional or leadership, I don't remember, top management official, I forget exactly who it was, said that this is the equivalent of multiple 9-11s. Now, that is code word for an event that it requires necessary war action to address 
Okay, you know, I'm not going to get into all the details. You know, you can go and watch your own documentary of loose change and hundreds of other documentaries about 9/11 if you want to, and ha- and all that. I'm not going to get into that. But if you do not understand at this stage in your walk that 9/11 was completely an inside job, and it was done on purpose for the purpose of creating the world dynamics that we have right now, and giving an excuse to the satanic entities that are running this earth to be able to launch war actions wherever they darn well please. And they have. And many people have been destroyed. Babies have been killed everywhere you go. This isn't an Israel thing. This stuff has been going on forever. Forever. Now, all that stuff being said... One thing that we can derive is the very fact that the term 9-11 was used signals to those of us who understand Illuminati speak that this was an inside job. Does it mean that it didn't happen? No, absolutely. Did did the buildings in 9-11 not come come tumbling to the ground? Yes, they did. We're not going to get in. Let's not get into the mechanics of it all. Let's just simply look at the, the, the bigger picture. The bigger picture indicates that just by virtue of them mentioning the term 9-11 indicates, of course, when, especially when combined with the fact that you're not going to pull something over on the Mossad, you're not. You absolutely are not. So to, for, for any of them to try to convince us that they did not know it was going to happen, making up stories about, oh, well, Israel or Egypt tried to notify them, blah, blah. That, that's just a bunch of distracting boulder dash from poppycock. It's really absolutely, utterly ridiculous. There have been so many stories that we can just utterly disregard. In fact, we can pretty much utterly disregard everything. The question is, and I'm not going to get into the – I don't care about the word dynamics. If, look, why should we care more about the word dynamics in the Middle East than we care about the word dynamics in, in the Ukraine? Why should we care more about those than the word dynamics that are happening in Niger right now and the wars that are about to break out? Why are those people more or less important than any of the other people in the world? They're not. They're not. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Now, is Israel significant to our Heavenly Father? Absolutely. I'm not going to get into all that. I have the scriptures. But at the end of the day, for us to assume or to estimate that somehow the leadership of Israel and the leadership of this country are not evil would be a mistake. At the end of the day, it's really not anything we need to be concerned about. But we should be aware from a biblical timeline tracking standpoint that the term 9-11 implies strongly, in fact, it signals that this was an event that was necessary for the escalation to World War III. Never mind that Lindsey Graham is screaming, bomb Iran, bomb, 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 bomb Iran, bomb, bomb Iran, bomb Iran. It, it doesn't, it, it, and it's not just him. It's Liz Cheney. There's so many others that are saying we got to go in for we got to go in for the killer of Iran. Don't I, I don't even care. I, at the end of the day, we know what the end game is. The end game is to draw in Iran. I could play audio bites of people who've been saying this for years. Indeed, over ten years. This has been part of their plan for a very long time. They haven't been able to lure Russia through the Ukraine. Now watch what happens. I predict, I could be wrong, 
But I predict that the Ukraine situation is going to be utterly ignored. At this point, all the focus of the reptilian entities, these uh, dragon overlords that unfortunately the tares, the blue bloods, these entities, the serpent seed, they are ultimately going to they, – they, these work directly for Satan himself. They're on the board of directors of Satan. You know, I'm not going to get into the hierarchy or trying to break it all down, although there, some of it's quite predictable but or quite understandable when you do deep dive into it. But at the end of the day, who cares, really? What we ought to be caring about is where are we? Where are we in the, in the breakdown of the end times? Where are we in the Holy Bible? These are the things that give us hope. These are the things that help us to be able to look at the stuff that we're going through in our daily life, whether it is a health issue, whether it is where we're living, whether it is that our parents are dying, whether it is that our family has rejected us, whether it is that our uh, spouses have become possessed by the devil, which pretty much sounds like it's the case for a lot of people. Okay, you know, I mean, I could just go on and on about all of the trials and tribulations that people are going through, myself. What's important for us is to be able to keep up our hope. For what's, we are so blessed to have that anchor, understanding that the actual abomination of desolation standing in the holy place is Obama. To, that's one of the reasons why I was so blessed to be able to play as a best of show the, car, uh, the, um, the program on Wednesday night regarding Obama and lightning and no third Solomon's temple and who the two witnesses are. You know, that, that was a blessing to be able to play that because, again, it's, it's, it's not just me. There's dozens and dozens, I mean, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people across the world. I know Reverend Tracy Shellman was shown that Obama was the Antichrist. I have had so many people confirm that. Now, granted, a lot of people, prophetically speaking, believed with all of their heart that the Lord had shown them that Obama was not going to leave the presidency at all, that Trump would never – but see, that's just how God is. We should always expect God to slip us a surprise. Always slip us a surprise. Therefore – as we see these things unfold, we have to expect our Heavenly Father to slip us a surprise. Standing firm on a belief system that you have created because you believe that you can count generations or years or whatever the case is, and you've calculated something that nobody else has been able to calculate, and God has just anointed you with some supernatural understanding of things, go for it if you want to. Is that, if that's what your calling is, if you think that that's okay, go there. I won't. I will not join you. Because I've watched way too many people, flop, incredibly anointed authors, flop on their heads. They just right on their face multiple times. We can look at what's going on in the world, and we can continue to boost our hope. We have the blessed anchor, and I, 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 I don't mean to say that the wrong way. We are blessed to have that anchor. And that anchor is the fact that Obama is the beast of revelation. Obama is the final antichrist. I'm not talking about where the scripture says, and there will be many antichrists. No, 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 no. This is the be all and all do all great tribulation. We know that the global reset, we know that whatever you want to call it, Novus Ordo Seclorum, call it whatever you want to, New World Order, Global Reset, call it whatever you want. That is preparation for the Great Tribulation. 
They've already injected the infrastructure for the mark of the beast. They've got graphene oxide in probably, what, two-thirds of the Earth's population right now? We, everything is in place. We're, we're lined up to have the global financial collapse, uh, revelation, uh, um, you know, the third seal could happen, like, with no warning. We could wake up and have, a, you know, all the banks shut down. Don't even get me going. We're one cyber attack away from that happening on a global level. World War III, how close are we now? Look at everybody warning about it, talking about it, nuclear attacks. You know, it, 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 everybody's freaking out because they don't have any anchor. They don't understand. They have no prop. They don't believe in prophecies. They haven't been tracking them. And then, of course, there are those who are so afraid of any of this stuff being true that they are going to grab a hold of the leg of every pillow prophet that is out there and say, well, brother or sister so-and-so said... It's always a blessing for us to be able to watch the things that are happening across the world, understand, as we've been instructed by Jesus, by the Holy Bible, to be wise as serpents. You're not being as wise as a serpent if you do not understand how a serpent thinks. Now, all that being said, that is a blessing. It comes with it. There's a heavy price to pay for understanding that stuff because you have to shoulder that burden. You have to understand. You also have to accept that nobody that you share it with is going to get it, nor and and that most of them will utterly reject it because they're horrified. They're horrified deep down inside. Whether they admit it or not is irrelevant. When they reject things that you are trying to share with them, just let them be. Just let them go, man. Let it go. We have crossed the precipice at this point. There is no going up to another brother or sister in Christ and saying to them that you believe this or you believe that in hopes of helping them to make it to the wedding supper, to make it as part of the first fruits. They have too much growing to do. This is why in the in in the uh, 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 Matthew twenty five in you know, uh, in the wise and foolish virgins parable that the foolish virgins went to the wise and said, give us some of your oil. Because at some point they realized, oh my gosh, we're a lot closer than I thought. I need to be ready. I need to be ready. But that the wise said, I, there's nothing I can do to help you, essentially. And that's where we are at right now. We have come to a place that, you know, we've been blessed by this understanding. It, we have no idea how long it's going to take. We have no idea how many judgment dynamics and things that God will inject into the timeline. We don't know how many things that, you know, how many uh, priests of ball moments that he'll allow to occur on the earth to mess up, to mess with the heads of the uh, entities of darkness, with the serpents and scorpions. Our Heavenly Father takes pleasure in that. And I praise for it. But at the same time, it does create for us delays. But we still have that anchor. We know who the Antichrist is. Now, I know there's a big bunch of folks out there, and I, that's okay. They can believe whatever they want to believe. If they want to believe that Antichrist is Donald Duck, fine. If they want to believe the Earth's, Earth is flat, fine. I, to me, it doesn't really matter what they believe. I know what I know that I, what I know. I know it is. It's absolute beyond any shadow of a doubt fact to me. Okay, it is fact. And there's nothing that anybody can tell me. I, I have the DVD right behind me, the entire teaching of Tim Cohen and the Antichrist and a cup of tea. It's very convincing, but here's the, fa here's the simple matter. 
When when it says the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, it's talking about inside the temple, inside the body of a human, just like, you know, uh, was shared on the Wednesday night show. Okay, but but anyway, it the point I'm trying to make is why it just doesn't make sense to have a reptilian become the Antichrist. It doesn't match, it doesn't align to the Bible. And we know that everybody from the House of Windsor are reptilians. We know it is a fact. So the Tim Cohen argument breaks down at that point. It doesn't make any sense. It needs to be a human so that, so that Satan can incarnate into that human being, the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. That is, has nothing to do with the third Solomon's temple. That is absolutely wrong. Mark my words, there will be no third Solomon's temple as long as we are on this earth. It will not happen. Now, is there prophetic word, you know, Ezekiel 40, 41, all that kind of stuff? Yes, but that could easily happen during the Great Tribulation. That, there's, that's three and a half years of time. There's a lot of time for a lot of things to be made manifest long after the Bride of Jesus Christ has, is kicking back with a very full tummy, uh, happy and ecstatic. In a, in, I mean, can you even imagine what it's going to be like to be at the wedding supper? I can't. So we are blessed to understand that Obama is the Antichrist. That's a huge blessing, folks. That's huge. Because nobody else has that. Only those who do have it. And all the rest are flapping around in the wind. They got no compass. There's no compass. They can listen to anybody out there and be like, Oh, well, this could happen. Oh, well, it could be 10, you know, 100 years from now. Oh, this and that and the other thing. And no, no, it can't. It can't. Because Obama is the Antichrist. That's our anchor in the biblical end times timeline. And what do we see happening right now? We see the Mossad having a signal intelligence breakdown. No, we didn't. They knew it. Just like Roosevelt knew that the Japanese fleet was heading directly for Pearl Harbor. He knew it. In fact, he instigated it. 33rd degree Mason that he was with a overt Satanist, Henry Wallace, as his vice president. Don't even get me going. All this is fact. You can verify it. Now, anyway... So what we had was another Pearl Harbor. What we had was another 9-11. Why did we have it? Because they, the entities of darkness needed to create a dynamic in the world because they were failing with Ukraine. Ukraine wasn't bearing the fruit that they needed to bear. It wasn't causing – Putin wasn't falling for it. They had to take another route. If my hunch is correct about this, I won't stake my life on it, of course. It's not mine. It belongs to Jesus anyways, but – I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of interest in the Ukraine at this point. I really believe that Russia is going to be allowed to take whatever land they want. The funding is going to dwindle off. And all the interest is going to be on the Middle East. Look, how do we know that this is part of the World Economic Forum's agenda? How do we know that this is part of Satan's agenda to bring in the Great Tribulation? Because we got entities like Justin Trudeau. Don't even get me going. 
standing forward and saying, go, Israel, Israel, go for it. You do what you got to do. You know what? That's a dead giveaway. Anybody who's not smart enough to look at Justin Trudeau in Canada and watch him voting for Israel to do what they got to do to get Hamas back and doesn't understand that that is the sign of all signs. And, and it's not just him. It's a whole bunch of the rest of them. There are more dark entities from the bowels of hell on this earth that are voting for Israel right now to wipe out everything that has to do with Gaza. You have to understand that that is an indicator to us that this is a 9-11 event. That there is an agenda behind it, and that agenda is to usher in World War III. Now, that's as far as I care to even be concerned about it. Now, as far as praying is concerned, I just like I would pray for the uh, people that were being horribly – I don't even want to use the word treated because I don't think that's an adequate word – horribly uh, attacked – butchered, children, blown the bits, the horrible things that happened over in the Donbass, uh, just awful. Everybody gets all up in arms when it's in Israel, but never mind. These things have been going on over in, in the Ukraine now for like a decade. Almost a decade for sure, since 2014. Nobody's getting up in arms about it, hardly at all, because they're just believing whatever they're being told. And the same dynamic is happening right now. People are believing whatever they're being told. They're not sharp enough. They're not intellectually smart enough to be able to see that an entity such as Trudeau, who's one of the young and up-and-coming global leaders of Klaus Schwab, one of the most satanic entities on the earth, okay, is out there voting for Israel to wipe out Hamas. Hello, connect the dots. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so at the end of the world, I'm not going to get into any – I don't care about any of the other stuff. All I care about is being a citizen of heaven. All I care about is us praying for the hurting people. The leaderships of all the countries in the world are compromised. They're all compromised. There's a few maybe in Africa, here or there, that they've tried to compromise and haven't been successful at thus far. But as a general rule, the majority of them are. They're totally compromised. Now, all that being said, the war dynamics, keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth. Don't allow your emotions to get involved with it. It's not our fight. This is part of our Heavenly Father's master plan to usher in and to fulfill all of his prophecies, to put the world in such a state that has been prophesied biblically. It's all over the Bible. And we're progressing exactly as we ought, and according to God's perfect timing. Are we going fast enough for all of us? No. Is it fast enough for me? Absolutely not. Would I have rather all this to ha have happened five years ago? Absolutely. Could I have skipped the whole Trump presidency altogether? You better believe it. Hallelujah. I would have rather got tossed into a FEMA camp back in 2016 than had to have to go through all the Donald Trump stuff. But whatever, God needed to do what he needed to do in order to bring and wake up more people. Although a lot of them, unfortunately, won't 
it won't be a positive thing. Let's put it that way. Whenever you look to a man on the earth to save you instead of Jesus, it's not really something that our Heavenly Father appreciates all that much. I get it. I understand people not wanting to go through hard times. I get that. I understand. The older I get, the less attractive it sounds to me. Believe me. I get it. But I will not take my eye off the ball. And the ball is Jesus. The ball is being with him. The ball is being part of the first fruits barley harvest to be at the wedding supper. This is all that we should care about. There's nothing else to care about. Taking sides doesn't mean anything. It's not ours. This is God's movie. We're just sojourners on this earth. We are light beings. We are part of the Godhead. That is who we are. It's all over the Bible. It is proclaimed. It is stated. It is part. It is there. I mean, sometime I ought to put together a teaching out of the New Testament that just talks together. It would take some time. And right now with my work situation, there's just no way right now. I'm going to have to work late hours. It is, if I make it through next week, it'll be very supernatural miracle. It's going to be extremely hard. But that's okay. It is what it is. It is what it is. I got a little sign behind me on the shelf. It says right there by my, my stack of Bibles and all kinds of prophecy DVDs and everything else that's behind me, my shofar and all that. You know, there's a little black sign that says it is what it is. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that little saying. A lot of people say it's a cop-out. And no, I don't think so. I don't agree with you if that's how you feel. It is what it is. God's not always going to answer the prayers that you have the way that you think he's going to answer them. Okay, that's just, unfortunately, sometimes his answer is no. And if we push him when the answer is no, we might not like what we get. And I am living testimony to that. He might not like what we get if we push him too far. Sometimes our Father will let us have what we ask for, but it won't come in a package that we thought it was going to come in. Be careful. But anyway, the point I'm trying to help everybody understand is that we are blessed. We have an anchor. We know who's who in the zoo. We know who the players are. We know what the end game is. We know that the force seal, behold the pale horse, is World War III. We know that World War III bleeds over into the sixth seal, which is the day of the Lord, because it's right there in Ezekiel 38. We, we see all those things. The same great earthquake that occurs in Ezekiel 38 is the same earthquake that happens in Revelation 6.12. And, and Revelation 6.12 kicks off the day of the Lord. This is when the aliens attack. This is when, it, when uh, 2nd Ezra 15 verse 28 becomes a reality. This is when Isaiah 13 becomes an alien invasion reality. When Joel 2 becomes an alien invasion reality. These things will be made manifest. Whether you believe me or not now is irrelevant. You will if you're here. I hope you're not here for it. I really pray in Jesus' name, please don't be here for it. Don't let yourself get involved emotionally. Don't get into disputes. This is a fiery situation. People are very emotionally supercharged. It is by satanic design. Our Heavenly Father is watching. There will be more people that could have been part of the Bride of Jesus Christ that will fall from God's grace during these times because they will allow themselves to become emotionally involved. And that's sad. We don't want to be that. We want to be who we are. We want to be who we are, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. That's who we are. Yes, we see these things on our TV. We hear a lot of stuff out there. The only thing we really need is to watch and to understand that there's no point in us getting involved. God's going to play it out. The prophecies are going to come true. And we don't know. All the rest of it, we watch the events. We have a pretty good idea where we are in the Bible, for sure. Definitely in the midst of Revelation 6, whether somebody tells you. I have people tell me all the time that I'm wrong about that. I also consider the source. Okay? I know that they don't know a lot of stuff. And it's okay. doesn't mean that I don't pray for them. We have a lot of brothers and sisters who are unaware. Does that mean that they're not automatically not going to be part of the bride? Absolutely not. This is not prerequisite stuff. Practicing holiness and righteousness is. But when we get sucked in to the emotional part of it, take sides and cause division and strife and all that kind of stuff. Think evil things. I hope this and I hope that and that's just wrong and I, you know, you're in a bad place. That's not who you are in Christ. I think it's a blessing that we know that what we do know. I think it's a blessing that we are able to understand what the end game is. We, we see it all. It's all laid out. It's so crystal clear. Anybody who can't see it, I feel so sad for them. They're missing so much prerequisite data to be able to stitch it all together. And that's sad. It's really sad. But unfortunately, there really isn't anything that we can do about it. You can pray. Pray that their souls will be saved. Pray that God will come upon them in dreams and visions. Pray that whatever is absent in their walk will be enhanced, that their sanctification will be enhanced, that their growing closer to Jesus will be enhanced. But if you still have hope to go beat your knowledge into somebody else's head right now, I really don't think you're going to be successful. I strongly feel that you will not. And the likelihood that you will cause division, cause strife, cause negativity to occur, which we are admonished in Scripture not to be a part of, is very high. We've just come to that point. It's almost an echo, really, and a foreshadowing of the Scripture. I forget which one it is, and I'm not going to look it up right now, but where it says in Revelation, you know, let let he I'm I'm going to totally butcher this, but I know you're going to you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the scripture in Revelation where it says, "Let he who is holy be holy still. Let he who is you know unrighteous be unrighteous still." You know, it it basically we've it almost feels like we've come to that place where that prophetically is true. We have to sort of let people be where they are. And God will bring them to wherever it is that he will bring them. And we pray for them. Absolutely. One of the greatest blessings in all of our lives is to be able to take the time to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters. We're all at different places in our walks. We're all at different places. 
And not all of us are going to believe the same. There may be people that are listening to this program right now that absolutely disagree that Obama's the Antichrist. And that's, that's okay. I just pray in Jesus' name that you make the first fruits rescue mission, that you make the first watch, Luke 12, 35, 36, 37. I pray in Jesus' name that you are counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before Jesus at the wedding supper. I would not wish being stuck on this earth after that event upon anybody because it's going to be real bad because all these things that we know are coming, World War III, Chinese paratrooping down on the United States, people getting shot in the streets, United Nations. You know, we don't even know how much of that we're going to get to escape, but I would assume probably the vast majority of it. The reason I would assume that is because of the use of the word all in Luke 21:36. Pray always to be counted worthy to escape all these things. I don't know what the word all means exactly. None of us do. All we can do is hope. All we can do is hope, right? Amen? But we don't know for sure. We don't know. But what we do know is very much of a huge blessing to each of us. It is to me. Does it make it any easier to go through the torment that I'm going through in in my job dynamics? No, it doesn't. Does it mean I'm not going to get sick from the unbelievable stress? No does not. You know, there sometimes there just isn't an answer. <laughs> okay? It doesn't mean that we stop praying. We need to be a persistent widow like Luke 18 says. Never stop praying. Believe. Keep praising God. Praise your way through the storm. It's not that you're not going to go through a storm. It's whether or not you have the grace through the anointing of God to praise your way through the storm and to never give up. You may get sick. Yes, you may throw up in a trash can several times, whatever. Yes, your stomach might hurt so bad you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm going to – am I even going to make it till tomorrow? You know, yes, you may go through horrible things with your spouse. Yes, you may get sicknesses that you're in a hospital for. Yes, you may lose your house. Things might not go the way that you hoped. All of us are subject to these dynamics, all of us, every one of us, and a lot of us are going through them right now. The question is, can we go through them with grace? Can we make the necessary adjustments that we have to make in order to get through them as best as possible? Can we pray through? And can we stay out of the foray? Stay out of all the earthly emotions, dynamics, allegiances, and things that we really don't need to be a part of. It's not who we are. We're not part of it. But I would make, I would argue um, you know, not, not in a, an aggressive manner, but I would, I would say that I feel pretty passionate that we ought to be aware of the essentials and where it likely places us in the end times and how it plays into the ushering in of the great tribulation, the ushering in of all the peace parts that bring it together all the prophecies of the Bible. It's all in play right now. I can't think of a single thing that's missing. The 
the only thing that's left is a hot war. A, you know, we're already at war. If you compare, and I know people have said this an untold number of times, I get it. We're already in World War III. I get it, okay? But I'm just saying, if you are a history buff at all, there's a book that's like four inches thick. Good luck trying to read that bad boy right now. It's called The Winds of War. And it talks about the lives of different people that were going, that were here, on, you know, that before World War II, as World War II was ramping up over years and years and years and years and years and years of time, the winds of war. We are in the throes of World War III. We're not even in the wind period now. We're past that. The question is, how long will God allow this to drag out? We don't know. All we do know is we better not allow our emotions to get sucked into it, because if we do, it's dangerous, very dangerous, for whether or not we will be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming. They are. We know it. We don't want to be here. I know I don't. I know I surely don't. So these things are, from from a standpoint of understanding where we are as best as is possible in the end times timeline, the ushering in of the Great Tribulation, how close we are to the fulfillment of all of the seals of Revelation chapter 6. You know what's fascinating is the scripture, I'll share this with you real quick, because it's, I just find it absolutely, now of course, you know, I've shared it with a few people, and you know, I got the debunkers that came out, well, I think, you know, blankety, 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 blank, and I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, yeah. Uh, And it's all right, that's fine. People will be people, and they will believe what they want to believe. That's just how it is. And very few people, you know, it's just we just have to let it go. Now, here, let me go ahead and search on this and see if I can find what. Um, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, Luke twenty-one twenty to twenty-four. Inter- isn't that interesting that that comes right before? Pray always to be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth, okay? Yeah. So anyway, okay, my, uh, oh, okay, that's too bad. So I'll just, you know, um, use this, uh, what's showing up on my screen right now. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Let me, that's that's Luke uh, 21.20. Let me ask you a question. Army mean to you? Just asking you. See, I can tell you that I would look at that scripture and I would normally imagine in my mind that that scripture, when it says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that desolation is near. In my mind, that triggers the thought of tank. So I say to myself, does that mean that Jordan 
has to be sitting there with tanks rode up on the border pointing all their turrets directly into Israel? Does that mean that Syria needs to be across the Golan Heights with all their tanks pointing directly over at Jerusalem? Does that mean that Iraq needs to have their tanks pointing at Jerusalem? What about Lebanon? Do they need to bring in their tanks and point them at Jerusalem, if they even have any? I don't even know if they do. I, but I'm, my, you see where I'm heading with this? What about Egypt? Does it mean they have to have all their tanks pointing toward Jerusalem? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. You know, when I was looking at all, when I was looking at Amman, Jordan, when I was looking at uh, all the countries that surround Israel and the people that were protesting on behalf of uh, Hamas or whatever, you know, mostly Hamas, definitely Hamas primarily, there were, I can't count that that high, and I certainly, you know, I don't know what the numbers were, but it looked like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. I've never seen so many in my life. It made the Obama inauguration look like uh, people forgot to go. Just absolutely astonishing to see that many people in the streets. Don't even get me going on the on the countries that have been infiltrated by, uh, you know, the uh, whole Islamic jihad thing because of the intentional injection of migrants into them. And France is on red alert, and so many countries are on red alert right now. And blah 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 blah. Friday the 13th turned out to be a total dud, which was a prediction that I had. I told many people, I said, I think it's going to be a dud, just like the rest of them were, and it was. But here's the thing. As I'm looking at all the countries that surround Israel right now and the hundreds and hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people that are in the streets, do those qualify as armies? Do they have to be in tanks? I don't know. But I can tell you that I don't see anything in the Scripture, no matter how desperately I rip through the you know, the, uh, the Strongs and the Greek and everything else. I don't see anything that says a tank. I don't see anything that says a Humvee. I don't see anything that says, a, you know, a howitzer. I don't see any of that in the Bible. Is, is a million enemies of Israel surrounding their country all... Do you think they had knives in their hands? Do you think they had knives in their pockets? What constitutes an army? What's the definition? We don't know. Is this the fulfillment of prophecy now? What has to be there for this prophecy to be fulfilled? So, you know, it says things like, uh, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Those who are in the midst of her depart. How many people are trying to get out of Israel right now? A lot. Those who are not in the country don't enter her. Think anybody's planning a trip to Israel right now? Mm, I don't think so. But we don't know. How much worse does it have to get for this to be fulfilled? Or is it in the process of being fulfilled even now? We don't know. But we as humans tend to assume an awful lot. We surely do. I always keep my mind open because I know we are real close 
Praise God. All right. So anyway, on that note, I know that I, I just know that I know that people will um, ask me. They'll email me. They'll they want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. What do I think? It's not that I'm uniquely qualified in any sense of the word to have an opinion. The only opinion that I have is one that is uh, that is grown from the Scripture. That comes with it an innate understanding of who we ought to be in the who we ought to be. Doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. We're not. Never going to be perfect. But we should be praying fervently to be counted worthy. To be counted worthy. See, even the terminology to be counted worthy implies that you're not. It's just to be counted worthy, irrespective of the fact that you aren't. So it's fascinating and wonderful and hopeful and encouraging in the midst of all the challenges that we're going through to understand all these things and how sad it is for our fellow brothers and sisters who don't. They have no anchor. They're pitched to and fro. Whatever up-and-coming YouTuber comes out there and says something, they're going to believe it. Whatever pillow prophet that comes out and says, you know, whatever it is they want to say about how good everything's going to be, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. People that are afraid, innately afraid, built into them, baked into them, into their flesh, afraid of going through our times, they're always going to default to that this cannot be that because it's too scary and I don't want to accept it. And that's just how they're going to be. And those of us who truly believe with all of our hearts that the Scripture isn't fibbing when it asks us to be counted worthy, to pray always, to be counted worthy, to escape all these things. For those of us who understand how bleak and horrible it's going to be for those who miss the first fruits, barley harvest, who understand what's going to happen after those who make it, and it's going to be bad, real bad. Nowhere near as bad as the Great Tribulation, <laughs> but really, really bad. Really, really bad. So while this sounds kind of spooky, in reality, it should instill upon you hope, hope that others don't have. And it's not good to be ignorant during these days because they're going to be hit like right upside the head by a baseball bat. They're going to be so strongly wanting to believe not that when it does happen, they're not going to be prepared. They're not going to be emotionally prepared. They're not going to be spiritually prepared. They're not going to be prayerfully prayerfully prepared. They're going to be blown away, completely knocked off their feet. And that's not a good place to be. We don't want to be part of that group. We don't want to be part of that group. Praise God. And um, so in the spirit of sharing my observations over the last week is all this. I, I'm glad that I didn't do the Wednesday show. I'm glad. Because I would have been at a loss for words. I probably would have been very ill-prepared to speak to the problem. It wasn't until I watched 
what was going on. All the division, the setup, how people are taking sides, the lies from all sides, and then I knew. Not my problem. This is our Heavenly Father allowing the fulfillment of prophecy. And yes, many, many will be sucked into it, and many, many will end up missing because of it. And that's sad. But we have to take advantage of the blessing of understanding that God has given us and steer clear. Because we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We are. We have to embrace that, watch and pray, and devoid ourselves of all emotional connections to all the things that are happening right now. Pray for every one of the people. Pray for all of them. Remember, just remember how many people that are hurting that do not understand and need our prayers. Remember how many of your brothers and sisters that are close to you that maybe even do understand a lot of the things that we do. People like me, I need your prayers desperately. I probably wouldn't be here even now if it wasn't for your prayers. I don't know. I could easily, I mean, our bodies are frail. Our bodies are very frail. And under the, you know, people that are going, I, I'm not going to get anybody. Look, stress is a killer. Stress kills people. Stress causes cardiac arrest. Stress kills people and puts them in the hospital. It does. Fact. Everybody knows it. It's Stress is like, you might as well be smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. Lucky strikes. Because that is how dangerous it is to your survival. Fact. It's proven. Time and time again. And I go through fantastic stress. I can't even articulate the, the magnitude of the stress. There's no way. I, sometimes I can't even sleep past 3 o'clock in the morning. I desperately need that sleep to get through the day, but I can't. I just can't. And you might say, well, why don't you just give it all to Jesus? Well, I do. I try. I focus on Jesus. I pray in the middle of the night. You know, I, I do all those things. And he brings me through. But, you know, why do you think Jesus spent so much time saying, do not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow? Do not worry. Because he knew that we would. It says, and I think it's in Proverbs, I don't remember where, it says, anxiety in the heart of the man, and uh, the heart of a man causes, uh, is it depression? I forget which, here, I'll find out for you real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, my dogs are the hungriest dogs in the world. They're over there munching out so big. <laughs> it's like probably coming over the microphone. You're like, wow, what's all that eating in the background? And it's my dog. They've decided to get super duper hungry all of a sudden. All right, so uh, let me type in Bible. Anxiety in the heart. Heart of a man. Enter. Yeah, there it is. Proverbs 12:25 Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression but a good word makes it glad. I thought anxiety was caused by the devil. Oops. <laughs> Not according to my Bible. So our Bibles are full of guidance associated with the fact that we're we're human. 
Jesus even showed as as God in the flesh, his humanness. You know, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Take this cup from me, if it is at all possible. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He even dealt with it. It wasn't a sin at all. But he was dealing with stuff. So these dynamics that we're all dealing with right now are normal. They're absolutely normal. And we have to embrace and seek God in prayer every day, knowing who we are, staying out of the foray, the back and forth, the emotional connection with the things that are happening across the world. And pray. Remember Psalm 91. Says you will see, you know, something like a thousand uh, die at your left hand and a ten thousand at your right hand, and you will see with your own eyes the the reward of the wicked. Okay, but it also you also have to remember that it it rains on the just and the unjust too. So not everybody that's going to die in these different things are are wicked. Don't even get me going on Isaiah fifty seven one. So we're we've opened up a new chapter. We'll call it the Israel chapter. I could get into Israel's, you know, burdensome stone and destroy, you know, and Isaiah 17, Damascus be turned into a ruinous heap. But we don't know when any of that stuff's going to happen. That might be long after we're gone. Praise Jesus. Let's hope so. All right. We those are the things that we don't know and we won't know. We won't know. Why? I don't know. But there are certain things that our Heavenly Father keeps to himself for whatever reasons that he has that are holy, and we praise him in our journey. Praise his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you for all these things. We ask you, Lord, in accordance with James 1.5, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given to them. Father, we just ask for your wisdom to continue to pray as we ought, to continue to seek you and to walk in a, in a holy desire to be in harmony with your will, and a holy desire to continue in our quest for more sanctification. We pray, Father, that we will adopt the heart, the soul, the spirit, the, the place that we ought to be in such a way that maybe we can come to, I, I, for lack of a better term, a place in our walk where we don't have to endure additional fiery trials to refine us. It would be nice to come to that place. I don't know if it's even possible, but we would like to believe that. We pray, Father God, please, because our scripture says that if any, you know, if, if any two of us pray on this earth, shall be given us. And I'm going to hunt this one down because it's one of my favorite. I just wish that when I collected these little laminated scripture cards that I wouldn't collect so many of them that I can't find the ones that I want when I want it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just can't. There's just too many of them. I collect scriptures like a crazy person. I cannot help it. I'm just, I just got to carry them all with me. Just have to do it. All right. Well, too many. Ah, here it is. Yeah. 
Matthew 18:19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, are we on earth? Are we on earth? I ask you right now. Is the answer yes? I didn't ask you if it's flat. I said, are we on earth? Concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew 18, verse 19. So shall we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, please, please, in the name of Jesus, we pray on this earth to you in accordance with Matthew 18:19 that we will be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you at the wedding supper. Whatever it is in our heart, whatever it is in our spirit, whatever it is that we feel, that maybe ought not be there. Cleanse us with your hyssop. Make us whiter than snow. Create in us a clean heart. Wash away all of our iniquity. Wash away all of our sin. Fill us with your love. Create in us a contrite spirit. And understand what a blessing it is. Give us the strength to get through all these things that we will probably still have to go through. And give us the patience of Job. The patience of Job. As we continue on this journey to watch and to see with a blessed understanding that helps us to, to maintain our hope that hope that these prayers, in accordance with Matthew eighteen nineteen, shall be answered. Shall be answered. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, both now and forever and ever. Thank you, Father. Amen. Tonight is Saturday, October the 14th. It is also the 29th of Tishri 5784. The time now is 8.30 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight, we light the Sabbath candles. Or you can call them the Shabbat candles if you want. Or you can do it every single day. Or you can do it on just Sunday. Or you can never do it if you don't want to. But we light them together. I like to light three. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise your name. Thank you, Father. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'avratzon in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit.
יהו יום תחילה למקראי קודש, זכר ליציאת מצרים. כיוונו בחרת ואותנו קידשת מכל העמים ושבת קודשך באהבה וברצון הנחלתנו ברוך אתה אדוני מקדש Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We'll do it together.
Consecrate myself. I pray that every one of us consecrates ourselves into your holy hands. We consecrate ourselves into your holy hands, Father. Into your complete and total ownership, Lord Jesus. We pray that your will be done in us and all of us. We want nothing more than this, Father, in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that the moment that you set your wills against us, that you shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
We declare the fire of God to swirl in the midst of a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit around about us on all sides. We declare in the name of Jesus that any entity of the darkness that would allow these spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us shall be smite by the holy fire of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We declare and plead, Father God, for warrior angels to stand guard at our dwelling places and for your fire to surround us in a sphere of power that extensible that it shall burn and scatter the darkness in all directions in Jesus' name. We declare your holy fire to, to vaporize all earthly or spiritual weapons and vaporize any fiery darts that are launched against us and to strike any demon of darkness that was behind it. We plead, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to each of us, Father God, to ferret out all attempts to come against us in Jesus' name, to shut down all demonic portals, to make good eyes blind, good ears deaf in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that these things will be at work in each of our lives. We pray, Father God, for your blessings and anointing to fall upon each of, our, each of the activities that we need to go through, the things that we are forced to go through in order to even sustain our existence on this earth. We pray for your supernatural blessings upon our jobs, upon our workplace, upon the things that we are asked to do, upon the things that we must do. We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will send angels, anointings, blessings, Father God, to each of us that we are able to sustain, that we are able to go through these things gracefully at peace. And we're asking for a supernatural anointing upon each of them, that the outcome will be a miracle. Because you will bless it and anoint it with your righteous right hand. We praise your holy name, Father God, and we thank you. We stand firm in these promises, Matthew eighteen nineteen. We believe that where two or more of us are gathered together on this earth, that whatever we ask shall be given to us. That's what the Bible says. We praise you in advance for all of these things, Father God. We know the road will not be without its bumps. We know the journey might be a little bit of a struggle. But we know that you are going to bring us through it. Incredibly victorious grace. And with, we pray, great reward in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, together we also lift up our loved ones. We lift up our sons and our daughters. We lift up our aunts and our uncles. We lift up our the sisters and the brothers and the grandchildren and all of the people, Father, that are part of our lives, that are part of our families, that we pray for probably a lot. Father, we pray for them together. We ask you, Lord, to touch them, to save their souls if they are not saved. And if their walk is not the way you would like it to be, Father, we pray that you will forgive them and that you will draw them in closer in the days of which we have ahead of us. Even if they do not make the barley harvest, even if they have to go through some really dark times, Father, what we're really asking you to do is to save their souls. Save their souls, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. And we believe and know in our hearts that it shall be done. It shall be done. And we thank you and praise you. Because you are an awesome Father. You are our awesome Father. Dear Heavenly Father, I also ask, for those of us who are 
trapped in the workplace for whatever reason. There are many. Maybe they had cancer in their family. Maybe they had a spouse that died of something or they needed to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills and cash out all their 401ks. Whatever the dynamics are, whatever it is, and they're just not able to retire. It's maybe the economy. Who knows? But Father, we lift up all of our fellow brothers and sisters who are in a place right now where they're forced to have to work. Because in this world that we live in today, as you know, Father, working is ever so much harder. That is if we can even keep a job with all those who are being laid off and the cutbacks. And those who have to work double jobs, sometimes three jobs, just to get by. And for those of us who perhaps maybe don't have to work double jobs, but are under the burden of having to shoulder extreme expectations because of shifts in the economy and demands for our work. Why don't we pray for you somehow that you would supernaturally touch us, anoint us, help us to get through these things, to make impossible deadlines. We look at them with our eyes and they clearly look impossible. But with you, Matthew 19.26, all things are possible. And we ask, we, tweet, we take all that stress, all those concerns, and we lay them into your hands. We pray that you will touch, touch us in such a manner, anoint us in such a way, that we can gracefully accept the challenge and through your many miracles in our lives, make those deadlines, have the energy that we need to complete the task, and be able to persevere through all these things as we progress forward even more each day, each week, each month, as we go closer and closer to our departure to be counted worthy and stand before you, Lord Jesus, at the Wedding Supper Buffet. The most incredible event that will ever take place in all of the universes. We praise your name forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We cannot wait. We cannot wait.
wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Ecclesiastes 1.18 These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus is revealed. 1 Peter 1.7 Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. Psalm 41 through 2. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. Though he slay me, our Father, yet I will trust him. Job thirteen fifteen. He, our Heavenly Father, will even deliver the one for whom you intercede, who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Job 22.30, Amplified. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. 
Galatians 5.22 Scriptures of strength under attack. Jeremiah 15.21 And I will deliver thee out of the hands of the wicked. I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. Psalm 55.18 He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many with me. 1 John 3.8 For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what do we do? Destroy the works of the devil. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Psalm 107.6 I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Psalm 31.7 Let the redeemed say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 107.2 and for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Isaiah forty-one thirteen. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling of things uh, that speak better, uh, sorry, that speak better things than that of Abel. Judge not me, be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Luke six, thirty-seven to 38. That's some powerful stuff right there. I think I need to write that down on a card and laminate it. It's a big old promise right there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas where storms will show your majesty. We're losing sight of the land. We shall find the stars. We ask you, Father, to push back the horizons of our hopes, to push into the future with strength, courage, and hope and love. Because we have dreamt too little, Father, We've arrived safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things that we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim.
Father, we thank you for the mercy by which you allow us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. Lord, it is not our will to be conformed to this world, but to to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove good acceptable and perfect to what your will is for our lives. By your grace, that you pour out upon us, we pray, that you will show us how not to esteem ourselves more or less important to the body of Christ than any other. We thank you, Father, for the spiritual gifts that have been given to us that we may prophesy in proportion to our faith or teach according to your precious word, and to give liberally and to lead with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Father, please, show us how our love can be without hypocrisy. Teach us to abhor what is evil and to cling to what is good. Teach us to be kind and affectionate to one another, 
and to honor one another, not lagging in diligence, but be fervent in spirit and to serve you, Lord. Dear Father, we pray that you will anoint us, bless us, pour out your grace, that we will rejoice in the hope that we have been given, that we will be patient through the difficulties and the hardships that we have to endure, that we shall continue to provide for the need, not only the saints, but the poor and the people who need our help. We will bless those who curse and persecute us. We will rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Father, instill upon us a supernatural anointing of empathy as your servant. We pray that through that anointing we will be of the same mind toward one another, not setting ourselves on our minds on high things, but associating ourselves with the humble. Father, we pray that through your touch of love that we will not be wise in our own opinions and that we will not repay anyone evil for evil, that those thoughts will not even enter into our heart. We will not give place to wrath, but we will just praise you, abide in your love, and accept that vengeance is yours and it's not ours. Therefore, we will live, we will live, peacefully with all. We will become overcomers through Christ. We will offer drink to a thirsty enemy and food to one that is hungry. Because we love you, Father. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, for setting the perfect holy example for each of us. May we walk worthy of being chosen to be part of your bride forever and ever. Amen. We enter into communion.
my chains Now all that remains is to never give in We are destined to win So we gather the memories of our souls By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue... If there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. 1 Peter 2.9, Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8 He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. 1 Timothy three sixteen. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, we pray that you will have mercy. Have mercy upon us. We are undeserving. According to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies, please. Father, blot out all of our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. We acknowledge our transgressions. Our sin is always before us. Father, against you and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, Father, you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. 
Father, we pray that through all the trials and tribulations and difficulties and awful, awful sleepless nights and anxieties that we have suffered and may suffer still yet, that you will make us hear joy and gladness in our hearts. Hide your face from our sin, Father, for it is always before us. Blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Father, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. Draw us in closer to your presence. And anoint us, Father, such that we will not grieve the Holy Spirit. With strength and grace, we pray. Restore to us the joy of our salvation every day, we pray, Lord. Father, we need this anointing. We need this from your generous spirit. And then through the love that we show one another as brothers and sisters, the peace that is upon our heart during difficult days, sinners will be converted to you, for they shall be hungry to understand. We pray, O Lord, our Father, please deliver us from the guilt of our past sin. And then our tongues will sing aloud of your righteousness. Supper, Holy Communion. For I received that which was given to me that the Lord had also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lodoti, Lodoti Li, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
we are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil and his demons, and we are the servants and foot washers of mankind. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, but I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Ezekiel 22.30 Father, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And we say, Father, here we are, send us. Isaiah 6.8 Our Father says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Isaiah 43.25 Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater, greater works than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. John 14.12 now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20 Colossians 2.15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The cross. Well, if there's no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us, then do we disarm principalities and powers now? Greater things than these do we do, right? Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Spurgeon said, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, the book, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5.16b, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning, having or displaying a passionate intensity. Synonyms are impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervid, and heartfelt. We cast out demons. Mark 16.17-18, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything, ingest anything, ingest anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Second Corinthians 10.4-6, for the weapons of our warfare, unlike all the rest of the quote, Christians, the weapons of our warfare are not earthly, they're not carnal, they're not pepper spray, they're not stun guns, they're not knives, they're not guns, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against rulers of darknesses of this age. We wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. I don't know about you, but I never saw somebody sitting at the side of a wrestling match. It was pretty much a active sport on behalf of both sides. Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. You speak to the mountain. You command the devils to come out. We're not asking. Matthew 12.28, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. Strong man is the demon in charge. Cut off the head of the snake and the rest of the demons come out. Matthew 12, 20, 12, 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to a dry place of seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house, the body of the human, from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order, because the demons were cast out. But then he goes and takes with him seven other more spirits more wicked than themselves, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Which is why Jesus told the man, Now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up symbolically before you, Father, a golden cup. And we pray, Father, that you will pour out this golden cup of forgiveness upon all of the peoples of the lands of the Middle East. Father, forgive them, we pray, for they know not what they do. Father, we pray for all of the peoples across the lands of Turkey, across the lands of Jordan, across the lands of Oman, across the lands of Yemen, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates. Father, across the lands of Gaza, across the lands of Iraq. Father, across the lands of Egypt, across the lands of the Sudan, and all the lands that surround Israel. Father, we pray for the peoples of the lands of Israel. Father, please forgive all of these people, for they truly, truly do not know what they do. They do not know what they do. And we beseech you, Father, please, even if but for a time, forgive them. Forgive them. For Father, as a royal priesthood, we confess of their sins before thee, Father. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time, in Jesus' name. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of the Middle East for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move unhindered into those lands, in Jesus' mighty name. For we know that our Father's will is that not one should perish. We praise you, Father. 
principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of the Middle East. We come against you in Jesus' name. We decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in the screaming agony and to disarm you in accordance with Colossians 2.15. And we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords sharp as razor blades to descend upon you and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, strong men, come forth. Release the peoples of the lands of, of the Middle East in Jesus' name. Come out of them now. Out. Subordinate spirits, release them now. Come forth. We decree in the name of Jesus, hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare in Jesus' name the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you in the screaming agony in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Thank you, Father. We declare... The holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow and encapsulate them white hot, that nothing unclean shall reenter the clean-swept house in Jesus' name. And we pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace, to flow deep into their hearts, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Father, we pray, please, for an innumerable company of angels of light and love and the presence of our Lord Jesus could come upon all of these people, Lord, in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. For God speaks once, yea, twice, but man perceiveth it not. Come upon them, Father, we pray. Touch them with the divine presence of your glory. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will call them out in their native tongue and tell them that you love them in the midst of all of the trials and tribulations and difficulties of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Save the souls of those who know not whom they can call out to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. <laughs> if it's not Friday, maybe Saturday, right? Amen. Praise Jesus. See you then. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. 
praise His holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure we are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.